so it was, it was almost natural for me to be able to continue my Bible study and come up here and speak with you folks about this. So uh, you, may, you may wonder, okay, Coy, you, you're going to come up here and talk about joy. I mean, look at me. I'm probably not the most charismatic of charismatics, okay? I, I admit that. My wife, on the other hand, look at her. She's got a smile on her face 24-7. But I kind of blame my, my youth a little bit in that because of the church I used to go to, smiling was frowned upon. I mean, you walked into church, and you basically stared up at a, at a cross that Jesus was still on, and you just acted like, okay, you're really sorrowful, uh, you know, you're sorry, Jesus, you don't smile. Whenever I would smile, my mom would kind of like whip behind me and hit me in the back of the head, you know, like the, the, the altar guy would trip over his robe, spill all the wafers or something, and the next I would snicker, <laughs> next thing I knew, boom. My mom would slap me on the head, and she, and she was like five people away because I had all my sisters and brothers and, you know, on, in between us. I always made sure. I, I thought I was in a safe zone, but not. I mean, my mom, I mean, but, and it would be funny because then my sister would laugh, and she, she'd hit my sister, then my brother, and then it's almost like he's playing a xylophone going back and forth there, you know, just, but anyway. Um, my wife, on the other hand, I mean, she has a continuous smile on her face, you know, so I guess we kind of we compliment each other, you know, and um, in February of 1985, I recall this, I remember this day more vividly than I do most days. Um, I was in our apartment, it was a Monday night. Um, I was alone. Uh, I, Ophemia had been invited to go to a church and that was cool with me. We weren't going to a church at the time. She wanted to go to a church with a friend of hers at work. That was fine with me. But uh, as she came in through the door, after she came back home, she had this smile on her face that I'd never seen. I'd never seen this, uh, you know, she would always smile, but there was a smile, brand new smile on her face that I'd never seen before. And I went, whoa, okay, what's, what's going on with this? And uh, she, she just told me that she had accepted Jesus as her, as her Lord and Savior. And I went, okay, all right, hey, that's cool. You know, you do what you want to do. You know, I'm going to do what I kind of want to do. I kind of thought that it was just a phase she was going through, you know, maybe two, three weeks. You know, she'll be out of it. But that phase continued to last and last and last. And as I get a drink of water... That phase never went away. And about four, four weeks or so afterwards, uh, she invited me to go to church with her. And finally, I said, you know what? Okay, I'm going to do that. And the reason why I wanted to go to church with her was because I saw this change in her. All of a sudden, this joy, this joy that no matter the circumstances, she would just maintain this joy. And I was going, all right. After a while, I started thinking, there may be something to this. So I relented, and I went, I went to church with her one Sunday. It was a Baptist church here in town. Uh, I went to there about two or three Sundays, and uh, on about the fourth Sunday, and I, uh, I made the greatest decision of my life. I wanted that joy. And ever since then, I've had that joy. I may not be the, I may not be the guy who smiles all the time. You may, not, you may not see the joy manifest with me jumping up and down and crawling up the ceiling or crawling up the walls and biting the ceilings or stuff during service. But just know that the joy that I'm talking about is really, it's, it's really not happiness. You know, I think sometimes as Christians, we kind of get joy and happiness mixed up. You know, happiness is a reaction to circumstances. You know, it's kind of like temporary, you know. You know, things that make you happy sometimes don't last too long. How many Dallas Cowboys fans do we have in here? You know, only one, two, or three. All right. Hey, that's okay. That's okay. When they, when they win the Super Bowl, everybody's a Cowboys fan, right? But, 
But uh, like if the Dallas Cowboys score a touchdown, you know, and you're all happy, and then two minutes later they let the other team return the kickoff for a touchdown, you're not happy anymore, right? That's kind of like what happiness does to us. It's, it it kind of just comes and ebbs and flows. It's more of a condition, whereas joy is a lifestyle. It's an attitude. You know, as a matter of fact, joy is one of the most important qualities that, that a Christian can possess. And happiness, you know, in itself is never enough. I mean, we can, we can, have, we can have money. We can have a car. We can have things that we think are going to make us happy. But you know what? Happily ever after is only for fairy tales. That's it. I mean, that's, that's why they're called fairy tales. I mean, you know, there is no happily ever after on this earth. You know, there's joy for eternity in heaven. You know, but here on earth, I mean, the Bible says that we're going to go through times of, uh, of trials and, and tribulations. Uh, Galatians 4, 4 through 7. Ooh, wrong scripture. Galatians 4, 4 through 7. I'll read it. Uh, and, and, and this, this is in Galatians 4, 4 through 7, says, And along with Jesus Christ, we receive his Holy Spirit. So when you receive Jesus Christ, you get the whole enchilada. You get the entire Holy Spirit. It's not just a little bit here. It's not just a little bit there. But you get the, all the fruits of the Spirit. And when we receive his Holy Spirit, and with the Holy Spirit comes this beautiful gift of joy, which is our birthright. And I apologize to Jonathan. I threw that scripture on my notes before I came here. I didn't give him the slide. Uh, but joy is, is it's not just a fringe benefit to being a Christian. You know, joy is, is our birthright. I mean, when you accept Christ into your heart, you got it. You got that joy. You got that joy. But it doesn't mean that, that the devil's not going to attack your joy. The devil, the devil would love nothing more to do, you know, with your joy than attack it and have you question your, your faith and your belief. But how important is joy? Now we can turn to Galatians 5, 22, 23, Jonathan. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. Where is joy ranked on there among the fruits of the Spirit? Number two, what's it behind? It's behind only love. So evidently, I don't think that was a random list that Paul came up with. I mean, if joy ranks number two only behind love, then I guess it's pretty important, right? All right, so it's something that we need to protect. And remember when, when you first accepted Christ... What was, the, what was the thing that, the, that Satan first tried to attack? What was it? Anybody? Take a wild guess. It's your joy, right? Remember when you, when you accepted the Lord and you wanted to tell everybody? You wanted to tell your, par your parents or you wanted to tell your husband or your wife or your friends? What was the reaction? Are you crazy? Are you nuts? What? Okay, you're saying that you accepted Jesus in your heart, right? Okay, kind of like me. You know, back in 1985 when I thought it was just the phase leukemia was going through. You know, some of your coworkers may be afraid of you. Some of your friends may even abandon you. You know, but that's, that's how Satan tries to attack our joy. Because he knows that, that our joy, that the, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen? But uh, joy is basically, it's a decision. It's an attitude. James 1, 2, 3 says, Consider it joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So I, I've, I've always looked at that and say, well, count it all joy, consider it joy. Uh, what, what is that? And until I really got into deep study on this to really discover what joy is, because I confused it with happiness. Uh, I, I thought it was basically the same thing. Until I got into the God's word and, and, and conducted this study, did I really find out what joy was. Um, the, the, the main thing with joy is, is 
maintaining a positive attitude. I began this exercise about, oh, it was about six months ago. Whenever I would wake up in the morning, I wouldn't say, ah, oh, I have to go to work. I would say, thank you, Jesus. I get to go to work because I got a job. You know, and you, you guys may think, oh, come on, really? Try it. Try this for about a month or so. Change your I have to to I get to. Not I have to go to the dentist. I get to go to the dentist because I have health insurance, all right? Not, not I, have, I have to go to my mother-in-law's, you know, for the weekend. You know, I get to go to my mother-in-law's for a weekend. You know, maybe she's going to cook some good food. You know, look at the positive side of that. Don't, don't always be negative. And, and it's, all, it's all about your attitude. You know, and Paul and Silas were perfect examples. You know, here's, here's Paul and Silas sitting in a prison cell. They're unjustifiably in prison, all right? They could have had the worst attitude of anybody. I mean, they could, have, they could have thrown a fit in there. But what did they do? At midnight, they had a praise and worship service there. In the middle of the night, a praise and worship service, all right? And all the other prisoners around them saw what was going on. They're going, man, these guys are crazy. You know, something, something ain't right here. What, what, what's going on? And then all of a sudden, there was an earthquake, right? And all the prison doors flung open. Paul and Silas could have escaped easily. All the prisoners could have escaped easily, but what happened? Not one of them left. And the, the guard, the prison guard who came up there knew that, okay, you know, I'm going to be killed because that was, that, was, that was the deal back then, that if you let prisoners out and, and they're released under your watch, that was a death sentence. So he was just about to kill himself, and what did Paul and Silas say? They say, hey, stop. You don't have to do that. We're, we're still here. And that impressed the prison guard so much that he wanted what Paul and Silas had. You know what? And when, when people start seeing what you have, that you have something different in you, whether it's in the workplace, their family reunion, they're going to want that. They're going to want what you got. They're going to first wonder what you got. And when they start wondering, they may ask you, and that, that just opens up the door for you to give them an opportunity. You know, uh, I worked at, uh, in the newspaper business. I'm a writer. You know, I'm not much of a speaker. I'm used to having a PowerPoint. If you see me do this a couple of times, just forgive me. You know, but when I worked at the newspaper, uh, there was a boss of mine. And he was the grouchiest guy. I mean, I, I respected him. He, he was a good newspaper man. He was a good journalist. But he was just always just so negative. You know, but I worked with him for about 15 years. And I, I, left, I left the newspaper. And I never really talked to him much anymore. But about, it was about seven years ago, he sent me a message on Facebook. I went, okay, why is, what's going on here? What, what, what's happening here? And he just left a message on Facebook, and he said, I just want you to know, Coy, that the years I worked with you, I was watching you. I went, oh, boy, oh, boy, what's going on here? And he said, I saw how you reacted under pressure. I saw how you didn't get flustered. I saw how you, you weren't negative, how you didn't throw your stapler across the room, even though there were nights and, and days that you were tempted to do it. And he said, I took note on that. And he said, I just want you to know that I received Christ in my heart. And part of that is because of the example you set. So never, ever, ever think you're, someone's not watching you. Wherever you go, whether you go to the grocery store and you help somebody, you know, pull a basket, you know, out and, and hand, I mean, just the littlest things. You know, when, when you give a waitress a tip, you know, the littlest thing, you know, because when that waitress sees you praying and you stiffer and don't give her a tip, what's she going to think? You know, what's she going to think, all right? All right, what's she going to think about Christians? What's she going to think about your church, especially if you're wearing a Covenant Life Center T-shirt and you stiffer and you don't give her a tip, Okay. What's, what's she going to think? So always beware that, you, that you're being watched. Always. You know? And I enjoy that challenge. I enjoy it. It's what keeps me going, knowing that this man, this old man who just seems so grumpy all the time, you know, 
and, and, and just, I was able just to influence him a little bit. I mean, it was, it was all worth it. Amen. Well, let's, let's look at, at, uh, at uh, this one point here, that God's joy equals our strength. And this is the favorite part of this lesson that I learned. Because I would always read Nehemiah 8.10, and I never really understood it and just until recently. Let me, let me set this up for you here a little bit. Nehemiah and the Jews had just completed rebuilding their temple in Jerusalem. And Nehemiah had overseen the rebuilding of the walls around the city. The people were weary. They were worn out, you know, from completing the task. And Nehemiah exhorted the people to celebrate and give thanks to the Lord. And he told them they no longer needed to worry. And this is what he said. He said, do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. And when I used to read that, I used to think, okay, my joy is my strength. But you look at this. The word of means it's the joy of the Lord. What does that mean? That means that's the Lord's joy. And they finally started clicking. I went, okay, the Lord's joy is my strength. Okay, all right. And I meditated on that scripture a while longer, a while longer. And uh, finally, I decided to, uh, to kind of make a, a list of what, you know, because I, I wanted to bring God all the joy I could. I began to make a list of what brings joy to me as a father. And number one, on top of my list was time. You know, every father cherishes the time they spend with their children. I mean, there's nothing that replaces the time you spend with your children. Likewise with God, he wants to spend time with us. He wants to spend time with his children. You know, so when I read that, I went, you know what? Okay, time, time is, is very important. That's something I'm going to devote more to the Lord. Number two is trust. You know, I recall the joy I experienced when I, when I taught my children how to ride a bicycle. You know, you would, you would push them, and you'd keep holding on that bicycle. Even if it had training wheels, they didn't want you to let go. And then you, okay, you go out there the next day, you try it again, try it again. Maybe a couple of days later, you try it again, and then you say, okay, I'm going to let go of you this time. And when they look in your eyes and they say, you know what, I trust you. I trust you, Daddy. Go ahead and let me go. There's no better feeling than that when your children trust you. Same thing with God. God wants us to trust him, all right? God wants us to come to him. I mean, he's never going to let us go, but he wants us to always be able to trust him and come to him. Whenever, whenever your children, you know, scratch their knee or, or get hurt or if they're scared, you know, when they come to you, there's no better feeling than, wow, they trust me that I'm going to be able to take care of them. Number three, obedience. The father takes joy in seeing his children obey his commands. You know, there's a great sense of accomplishment for a father when his child learns to respect him and, and be obedient. I mean, it's almost like, hallelujah, he gets it. You know, something clicked in my kid's head, and we, we, we broke him out of that, and then usually it's on to the next, on to the next thing. But, you know, likewise, you know, God, God wants us to be obedient, and he rewards obedience. You know, and that's, that's, just, uh, that's just the way he is. And he's overjoyed when we follow his instruction and walk in obedience. Number four is service. I love it when I go home and I see Caleb has mowed my yard. You know, I love it. Well, thank God I don't have to get out there in this heat and mow the yard. Caleb blessed me by mowing that. The same thing with, with when we serve God, whether it's as an usher or as in the media team, it's on the praise and worship team. No matter what, what capacity you're, you're, you're here volunteering your time to do, service is important to God, and he will bless that. And and I just, want, I just want everybody to know who serves in this ministry and in this church to know that their work is not in vain. It isn't in vain. You know, I, I believe one day, when, whenever we're up there in heaven with, with Jesus, he's going he's gonna to pull us to his side and he's going to say, look, you see all these people here. You touched each one of these people. That's why they're here. 
you know, whether it be, you know what, a little girl comes up and tells, tells us, you know what, just because you donated $10 a month to a mission, that's why I'm here. That's why I'm here. It, it played a part in getting me here. So don't think that when you're serving that, that it's all for nothing. Then, you know, don't, don't get frustrated. I mean, you may, not, you may not see things going on, but God knows and God sees things that are going on in people's hearts. You never know how, how lives are changed here by what you do. The fifth one is worship. You know, I loved it when, I, when my children would brag on me. They would say, oh, you know, my dad is big and tall. He's taller than your dad. He may not have as much hair as your dad, but he's taller than your dad. Yeah. And I used to love that when they'd brag on me, you know, because they, they would say, well, my daddy, you know, he, he, he drives this kind of car, that kind of car, you know, or look at my daddy. He's got muscles, you know. And, and the same thing, God loves it when we, when we brag on him, we worship on him to other people. You know, we, we want to be telling people that we serve a mighty God, the one and only God. And, and he, he is so mighty to save, and, and that, that he, we love him so much, and that we are just so proud to serve him, you know. But, you know, there, there, was a, there was a period in my time, though, when I didn't devote enough time. I didn't devote uh, enough service, enough worship. I, I wasn't obedient to God the way, the way I should have been. I wasn't experiencing the joy of the Lord like I, I could have, you know, and the world really did a number on me. Um, I was kind of in a midlife career crisis. You know, um, I'd been at the same job for about 30 years. I, I just about topped out. You know, I wasn't really going to get a promotion. I felt like you know, I, was, I was getting frustrated. I was working, you know, a lot of hours, and it seemed like I wasn't really, really getting anywhere. And uh, so I just up and resigned from my job without having a job. I don't advise that to anybody, Okay. Don't advise that to anybody. But I, I felt like I had the skills and I had everything that I needed, and it wouldn't be, be a hard time to find a job. The problem was that just six days later, after I resigned from my job, the stock market crashed. I mean, you guys remember that in 2008. The stock market crashed. Nobody was hiring anymore. It didn't matter what job you're looking for. So I went a month and a half without having a job. And I'd never been unemployed before, never. Uh, all of a sudden, uh, I, I experienced anxiety, and when anxiety lingers too long, it can turn into fear, and then the anxiety combined with the fear can turn into stress, and as the weeks went on, with, when I wasn't able to find a job, uh, I went into depression, and, you know, I, it, if you've never experienced clinical depression, you, I, I can't tell you. I, I, it's, it's difficult to describe. The best way I can describe it is that you have a black, a black cloud just over your head everywhere you go. It follows you everywhere. You, you, you feel like you're in a hole and you can't get out. And that, that's the kind of the way I felt. I couldn't sleep, but I didn't want to get out of bed. You know, I didn't eat. I lost about 60 pounds that I probably needed to lose. That was okay. But <laughs> uh, I, I don't recommend clinical depression for a diet, okay? I just don't recommend that. But uh, it, it just seemed to get worse and worse and worse. And it finally got to the point where uh, I, I decided I was going to go and, and talk to one of our senior pastors about it. And as I said earlier, you know, the church has a problem with handling mental health issues. The, the, and, and we need to do better. We, we really need to do better. Uh, the senior pastor that I, that I went to talk to uh, at, at the church uh, you know, and, and I don't fault him for this, you know, it's just his personality, but he basically just lectured me on, on how dumb I was for quitting my job, 
before having another job. Uh, I left there with hardly no encouragement. Uh, I went back to my car, and I was going, man. And, and the devil did a number on me. And he said, you know what, Corey? You're worth more dead than you are alive for your children. And that's when I knew it was getting serious. You know, that's, that's when I knew, okay, it's getting serious. But I still couldn't get out of that hole. You know, it's, that cloud would just follow me everywhere. Well, thank God I did get a job, you know, about a month later. I did get a job, but the depression still never left. It was still lingering, and it would just, it would just not let me go. Thank God I had a praying family. I mean, my wife would pray for me at night, you know, for me to be able to go to sleep. And, it's, and it, just, it just drains you, you know, because you get about two hours sleep, and you, know, and, and you just keep looking at the alarm clock over and over and over. And, and, and depression, depression is, 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 a ter- is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. Um, but I, I would also even start thinking about, you know, okay, if I'm, if I'm worth more probably dead than alive, then, may, you know, may, maybe, maybe if, you know, I died, you know, my, my family would be happy. And, that, and that's just the kind of stuff that the devil puts in your head. And, but I was allowing that to happen because I wasn't getting in God's word. You know, I wasn't being obedient. I wasn't serving. And, and depression, my depression at least, was probably uh, the biggest example of just, just me thinking about myself and nobody else, you know, and just not even thinking about my family, not even thinking about what my family would do if I did hurt myself, you know, and, but I was, it was all about me, it was all about me, and, but I, I did work, I did, uh, I did find a job, and I rejoiced in that, but as, as I said, the, uh, the depression, you know, kept lingering on, you know, but in between that time, we were looking for a new church, and we'd been a part of this church before we came here for 17 years. I mean, we watched it grow from a little bitty church to a mega church. And we felt like, you know, we're, we're important people there. You know, we were, we were you know, uh, head of the prayer team. My wife was head of the, the prison ministry. And, and, but we just, you know, God just kept telling us, you know what, I want you to go somewhere else. I want you to go somewhere else. And it was about two years we prayed, we prayed about that. And finally, God just finally said, okay, now it's time. And I was driving down Mockingbird Street, and I saw a billboard of this Mexican dude and this white girl, you know. And I went, okay, all right. That looks like a church we could probably fit in real well, you know. I said, all right. You know, it was Pastor Bobby and Pastor Don, you know, but it's Covenant Life Center. So I said, you know what, we'll come up there on a Wednesday night. We'll give that a shot, you know. So we came up here on Wednesday night. It was pitch dark, and we had no idea where the church was. You know, it was like, okay, there was not the signage that's out there right now, but we heard the music. And we said, okay, it's got to be him. We came in through these doors sat way back there, back, back at this time, I think, yeah, way, way back there, almost where the entrance is. We, we, tried, I, you know, we tried to get the, the, the seat farthest away as possible. And, but when we walked in here, we experienced the Holy Spirit move like we hadn't experienced it in years. And we said, hey, we got to give this, this place another shot. So we came a Sunday morning, and then the next Sunday morning, and just, just, God's presence in here started just to take all that stuff off me. Slowly but surely, that cloud began to disappear. You know, that hole wasn't so deep. It wasn't so deep at all. I could just reach out and just get out of it. And that's when I, I truly experienced joy for the first, really, to experience how important it is for us to protect our joy. You know, but that didn't, that didn't keep the enemy from trying to attack me. You know, because he, 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 
he almost got me once, you know, so, you know, he probably figured he's going to probably get me again. Four years later, my, my mom passed away after a battle with Alzheimer's. And uh, about three days later, I woke up in bed with a cold sweat. My wife said, what's, what's going on? I said, I, 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 I don't get it. And then the next night again, I woke up with a cold sweat. And she said, well, you know what? You better go to the ER. So we, we went to the ER, um, got the chest x-rays. You know, they, they checked everything out. And one of the, the ER doctors came in there where, where we were at, and he said, um, we're going to need to take an MRI because we, we see something that we don't know uh, whether or not it, it should be in your right lung. I went, hmm, oh, okay, all right, let's, let's do it, let's do it. And I went and took the MRI and came back with the MRI, and he showed uh, on my right lung that uh, there, were, there were tumors. And I've never smoked a day in my life. Maybe one day. I tried it once. But took, took, took one puff and... It's just, I just couldn't stand it because I've, I've, I've got, my sinuses are pretty bad and they get inflamed real easy. So I was like, but I used to have to always put up with my parents smoking and everything, but I, I never did. But it was like, are you, are you sure? He said, yeah, we'd like for you to come back for, for uh, a consultation. You know, we, we want to uh, come back in about four days. And that's when the devil started doing a number on, or tried to do a number on me again. Because he, he reminded me, he said, hey, you know, four years ago you were wanting to die, right? Now you're getting your wish. Now you're, now you're getting your wish. And it was like. Because huh? he didn't know, well, he didn't know. He didn't know that I was going to a, to a Holy Spirit-filled church at that time. But he still wanted to test me. He still wanted to find out what was going on and, and see how far he could get. Well, anyway, the, the consultation was coming, and I, I was just staying in God's Word. I was always listening to Christian music, you know, being with people who were going to build me up, who were going to pray for me. And as I was leaving work, going to the consultation, I met Ophemia over there. And we were seeing a pulmonary specialist, and basically what they wanted to do, they wanted to take another x-ray, you know, let's take another x-ray, then we're going to talk about our options, you know, possible treatment, you know, the, you know, they, you know, they, I knew the doctor never said the C word, you know, but yeah, I'm smart enough to know what they were thinking. And so anyway, I go in there to take the other x-ray, and Ophim and I go sit in the uh, visitor's room, and we're sitting there, and we're praying, of course. The nurse calls us in, and we walk into the room, and we see the pulmonary specialist, and he's looking at the x-ray from four days ago that had all the tumors and everything on my lung, and then the one that they just took about 20 minutes earlier, and there was nothing, nothing <laughs> there was nothing there, you know? Praise God. Praise God. And I remember, I remember he said, he, you know, Ophemia said, does, does, that mean, does, that, does that mean you're healed, Coy? And the doctor looked at her and said, yep. Yep, Corey, you're healed. And it was just, and, you know, and, and, I, and I know, I know that, that this time, you know, the devil was trying to do the same thing to me that he did four years earlier. But the, only this time I was, I had protected my joy. I had, I had made deposits into my joy account, you know, and, and it wasn't empty. My tank, my tank wasn't running empty. But um, that's, that, that, that's, that's why, why joy is, is just so, so important. Um, uh, you, you have to protect that joy, and, and you, have to, you have to understand that, that all of us have it. If you've accepted Jesus Christ in your heart, you have that joy. You have all of those fruits of the Spirit on there. You know, sometimes you know, we don't activate those things, and sometimes we don't exercise those things, but we have access to, to all, all of them. You know, um, and that, you know, that, that was six years ago uh, since you know, I got the good report. You know, and, and sometimes I think back at, man, what, what if I would have gone through with doing something to myself, you know? 
what if I, I had hurt myself 10 years ago? I, I wouldn't have been able to walk my two daughters down the aisle when they got married. My grandson right there who's, uh, who's applauding, you know, and, and just, just having a, I, I would have never been able to experience what it felt like to be a grandfather. And that's, that's the joy that the, that the enemy wants to take from us. He wants to take that away from us, you know. He, wants us, he doesn't want us to have a legacy of believers. You know, he wants, he wants to attack us, and, and, and he wants to use whatever, whatever he can to try to, to, try to convince us that, that we're not worthy, that, that we can't make it, you know, till tomorrow, that, that we're on our own, but we're never alone. I, I want you guys to, feel, to know that, that you're never, ever alone. Um, I'm a huge Horatio Spafford fan. How many of you here know who Horatio Spafford is? Anybody? Anybody guess? Horatio Spafford. Nobody. Well, good. Maybe I'm. I'm maybe his fan club is one. That's me, probably. But Horatio was a was a very wealthy businessman in Chicago in the 1870s. And in 1871, uh, all the real estate that he owned, his house, everything burned in the Chicago fire, all right? And so he was frustrated. He said, you know what? I'm going to go ahead and send my wife and my four daughters, you know, to Europe, you know, because we're going to find something there because his ancestors were from Europe. He was going to take his family back there and try to start over. Well, he was going to go on the trip with them, except something came up, some kind of real estate deal he had to finalize before he went to Europe. So he sent his wife and the four, his four daughters off to Europe, you know, on their own. Well, on, on not far away in the Atlantic Ocean, the vessel that they were sailing on collided with another vessel and sank. There were hardly no survivors on that ship. And Horatio Spafford received a telegram from his wife that said just two words, saved alone. His four daughters died tragically, you know, in, in the sea when that vessel sank. And the thing about Horatio was uh, Horatio had this joy. And this, this is what he did. Instead of doing something drastic, instead of just giving up, you know, Horatio traveled to be with his grieving wife, and as his ship passed right by the spot where his four daughters died, uh, he penned these words. Jonathan will get him up here in a minute. When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, Thou hast taught me to know it as well, it is well with my soul. Now, how many of you guys know that song? We, we sing that song. We sing variations of that song quite a bit. I mean, you see a lot of current, you know, contemporary Christian singers using variations of that song, it is well. But despite all he went through, God's joy remained in his heart. I mean, can you believe that? That he knew, he had that joy of knowing that he's going to see his daughters in eternity. And that's the joy that we have when we go to a funeral and we lose a loved one. And we just know, okay, all right, sure, we're not happy. I mean, I don't see too many happy people at a funeral, but I do see joy at funerals. And it sounds kind of funny, but that joy is not bouncing up and down and, and clapping. You know, it, it's just strength that you have, knowing that, okay, all right, we've lost a loved one, but we know we're going to see them on the other side. You know, the bottom line is that joy comes from knowing that God is in control of your life. If you remember anything, remember that. Joy comes from knowing that God is in control of your life. Number one, it's knowing God is in control of all the details of my life, which comes from giving him total control. You have to give him total control. Well, how do you do that, you may ask. I'll tell you later. Number two, it's a quiet confidence knowing that everything is going to be all right. You know, uh, just, just like you have to train your attitude to say, you know what, 
I get to go to work today, not that I have to go to work. Try that for a month. Just keep trying that, and, and, and you're, you're going to see what it does, does for you. It changes your mindset. It changes your entire attitude to where all of a sudden you, you come from being so negative, and, and, and what, what you speak out of your mouth, I mean, the, you know, what, what you speak is coming from your heart. And if you can train your mind to say positive things, your mind will soon will come into your heart to where, you know what, I enjoy going to work because I, I have a job. I have a job to go to to support my family with. Number three, it's also a determined choice to praise God in all things. Like my man Horatio, he praised God in all things, even though he lost four daughters in a tragic accident. He still was able to have enough joy in his heart to praise, to praise God. And God, God wants things to work out for us, not only for our well-being, but for his glory. You know, remember, it's all about his glory. It's not about our glory. You know, and, and I'm alive today because God didn't give up on me, and, and today I, I give him all the glory. I, I can't take credit for any of it. I give him all the glory because he, he never, ever, ever gave up on me. And we kind of learned tonight that, you know, real joy is not man-made. I mean, there's no way without Jesus Christ that we cannot experience this joy that we're talking about tonight. There's no way. There's no way. I mean, I saw the joy on my wife's face when she came into our house. It was a different smile. It was a glow. It was like, okay, who is this woman? You know, and I grew to love her even much, much, much more because all of a sudden, I mean, she had, she had such a joy, and it, and, and it couldn't help but rub off on me. And, and I've seen her, her lead, and I'm not joking, hundreds of people to the Lord. You know, and what they, what they see from her is that joy you know, that only God can give you. And like I say, when people see that in you, they're going to want that. They're going to want that. You're not going to have to go looking for people. They're going to come to you, you know, if you exhibit that same joy. And the, but the degree of, of God's joy is completely up to you. You know, we're in charge. You know, and the sooner you embrace this reality, you know, the sooner you can begin to live a more joyful life. You know, and some of you may have never experienced that kind of joy that you've heard about tonight. But sure, there are things that can make you happy a while, for a little while, but you don't have that assurance that only God's joy can give you. And that confidence and trust in God that he can get you through any trial that life throws at you. But uh, did you, do, do you know what gives God the most joy, most of all? Is seeing someone who's lost, you know, come to him and, and, and to accept his son, Jesus Christ. That, that's, what, that's, what, that's what gives God the most joy of all. You know, whenever, whenever uh, my children would do well, you know, and, 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 and they'd be, you know, they'd be accepted, you know, uh, a head coach or whatever would say, you know what, your son is great. Well, same thing with God. He, God, God, wants, God wants us to, to accept his son. And he wants, wants, he wants us to accept Jesus to, to, to change us, you know, to change us and to give us, to give us that joy. Um, and, and, and I want to talk to, you know, I don't know. Uh, some of you may have not ever received Jesus Christ, you know, as your Lord and Savior, but that's the first step. And I never, ever want to leave this church or ever speak to anybody without knowing for sure that they have accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And I'd like to give you guys that opportunity tonight. Uh, my wife would be glad, even on her little scooter, to scoot on up here in the front and, and pray with you if you'd like to accept Christ as your Lord and Savior. Because once you do that, I mean, you will never, ever regret it. I've never heard one person say, you know what? I wish I had never, ever accepted Christ. I've never heard one person say that. I mean, I mean every, every person I know, who's a believer and who's accepted Christ as their Savior, you know, never, ever regrets it because you get so much 
you, you give God total control, but it's the best deal you could ever get. It's a great, it's a great deal. So as with, with every, every head bowed, and maybe, maybe here tonight, you know, you're, you're saying, you know what, you know, my, my, my joy tank is, is running on empty. I'm running on fumes right now. I, I, need, I need more joy in my life. I, I, want, I want to experience that joy. I need that strength right now that the joy of the Lord, you know, provides for me. I just, I just don't know where to turn. I, I, I get what you were saying about having a dark cloud above my head. I, 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 have, I have one. I, I know what you mean when you say like you feel like you're in a hole and, and you can't get out. If anybody, anybody here is suffering through that, if anyone's suffering through any kind of depression, if anybody's suffering through any, anything that, that is, is just robbing you of your joy, I, I would like for you to come up here and, and, and so we can pray with you. If there's anybody here, you know. Also, if there's anybody here who wants to accept Christ for the first time, please come down to the altar. You know, God's word, you know, God's word says, you know, and, and Jesus says that if you're ashamed of me, I'll be ashamed of you in front of my father. You know, there's, there's, nothing, there's nothing better. There's no better feeling like I walked down an aisle back in 1985 and accepted Christ for the first time. There's no better, no better feeling you'll ever experience than walking down an aisle, coming here and giving your heart to Jesus. You know, maybe some of you have, have given your heart to Jesus, but you're kind of in a rut. You, you kind of feel like, you know, man, I just, I just can't, can't seem to, to, to get out of this. You know, I'd, uh, maybe, maybe, you're, maybe you're questioning yourself. You know, maybe you're even questioning God. You know, but our God is big enough, you know, big enough to meet all your needs. And he's big enough to handle whatever questions you have about him. You know, so if, if any of you are, are that way, we, we'll be happy to pray with you now. Or we can pray with you after the service. My wife and I will be over here any of you need any prayer, but if any of you, like I said earlier, are experiencing any type of symptoms of any kind of mental illness, please seek help, seek professional help. Come, you know, there, there, are, there are many, many professionals in, in, in Victoria and our surrounding area that, that can help you with that, you know, but also get into God's word, see what God's word will do for you because it's life-changing. It's life-changing. Every page I turn, I, I experience, I'm, I'm experiencing something new you know, from God, and God just gives me something new, but uh, I thank you guys, I appreciate everything that you guys have done, right now though, before, before I leave, I want to pray over you guys, um, I want to, I want to, I want to pray that, you know, that, that God continues to bless your lives, that, uh, that if there be any, any worry, any depression, anxiety, stress in your life, you know, that God, you know, that God will just take it right now, Father, I just thank you so much, Father God, for the people here tonight, Father. I just thank you, Lord, for giving me this opportunity to speak to these people, Father, and to share my testimony, Lord. And I just thank you, Father God, what you do for one, you'll do for others, Father God. You're no respecter of persons, Father. And I thank you, Father, for what you've done for me, Father God. You've transformed my life, Father. You know, where I thought I did not have any chance at all, no hope at all, Father God. I found out, Father God, that you never, ever, ever, ever will give up on me, Father, and I thank you for that. I thank you for never giving up on me. And Father, I just thank you so much, Lord, for this for this group tonight, Father God. If there be anyone here who who is who is experiencing some kind of of, of some kind of depression, worry, anxiety, stress, or Father, we just we just pray right now. Father God, that it be released in the name of Jesus, Father God. And we thank you for your son, Jesus, Father God. And by Jesus' stripes, we are healed, Father God. And I just thank you, Lord, again, for this opportunity to speak tonight. Father God, I just ask, Lord, that we all go in peace, Father God, and we all have safe travels back to our homes. 
But Father God, we thank you, Father God, for this opportunity for Pastor Bobby and Pastor Don to spend time with their children, Father God. And we just, we just pray they come back refreshed, Father God, and on fire to serve you even more than before. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Our mission here at Covenant Life Center is to help our world live, give, and love like Jesus. If our ministry has impacted you in any way, we would love for you to email us at info at clcvictoria.org. You can get connected with us through our social media at CLC Victoria and download our app.